is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Joe Barros, and we cover a little bit of everything from fostering relationships in the arts to early educators in his life, going beyond the minimum, and of course, the New York Theater Barn. So I hope you enjoy part one with Joe Barros. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Joe Barros. Joe, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. There's so much I want to talk about with you from being a change leader within this industry and creating a more inclusive environment, the New York theater barn, um, the way we first met. There's so many aspects here of this relationship we have that I want to cover. Before we do, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Uh, it's funny. I saw The Wizard of Oz and it just, uh, it was the most magical, incredible hero's journey. And I was just, I wanted to be where Dorothy was. I just immediately was blown away by that. Um, and I saw a local uh, community, community theater production when I was five um, in my hometown of Pacifica, California, a small surfer town in the San Francisco Bay area. And I peed on my mom in the first or the, like the third scene when the scarecrow came out and my mom sat there with pee on her for the rest of the show because I wanted to see the show and I got to meet the characters after and there's this photo of me being held by the scarecrow and there's pee running down my leg and then about five or six years later the community theater did that same production of the wizard of oz again same director same witch and I was a munchkin and it was like my dreams came true and uh because my parents just kept saying yes that they, they knew that I needed to be in this weird place with a bunch of misfit toys. Did you ever, <laughs> I love that. Did you ever discuss it with your parents on their realization of fostering your relationship with the arts or it was just a must do thing? No, it was just sort of like, uh, can I do this show? Oh, but we can't drive you to this one again. And it just kept being the next one and the next one and the next one. Um, and it was never like, oh, you're going to have a career in the arts or I mean, they had no idea what to do. This was not their world whatsoever. Um, it, and, and, and as we moved into the I was coming out and coming of age um, in the 80s during the AIDS crisis. And what was sort of a big event for my family was that during that time, I was only like about five, but my grandfather had a blood transfusion. Um, got contaminated plasma, contracted HIV in the early, early days, and then passed it to my grandmother and they died. And that was a really uh, sort of incredible event for my family. Um, and then, you know, my parents were, were still very young and a lot of my dad's friends were dying every day. So of course, you know, my dad was afraid of me being queer or afraid of, you know, the world that I would grow into. But each week as a new, uh, as somebody died, their partner would bring my dad their Broadway CD collection. And so my CD collection was born out of the, um, basically the collection of men who had passed from AIDS, who were friends with my dad. And so in, in death, these stories were still being given to me and sort of uh, challenging my perspective of what a musical was and what theater is and what has come before me, what is history. That's incredible in a, in a touching way that's sad, but also incredibly inspiring because it gives so much more gravitas to what we do and what we can do that's not being done. 
as we move forward in the theater industry. I'm curious what your parents taught you about work ethic growing up. Yeah, um, you know, they they always taught me to have a job, even from a very young age, and they made sure that I had a um, that I was, you know, in driver's ed school, and then I got my driver's license um, on my 16th birthday because I went to the San Francisco School of the Arts High School, and that was about a 25 minute drive from where I lived. So they really uh, instilled independency, um, and and that really that I could follow my own path, and um, something that they supported me on is I really loved my fourth and fifth grade teacher, Mr. Freeman, um, who I, I could tell even before I had him that he was queer. So I saw a role model in Mr. Freeman. Um, and what was interesting was there were too many kids in the fourth grade class. We could have only 32 and we were 34 at the time in the nineties. And so two kids could go to Mr. Freeman's and I didn't really like this teacher. So my parents supported me and they lobbied for me to go to Mr. Freeman's class. So it, as a fourth grader, I went to this fifth grade class, loved Mr. Freeman so much, learning about world history and Broadway musicals um, and being shown West Side Story in class and learning about the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Um, and he would bring me programs from when he would go to see London shows. Anyway, so I got to have him again in fifth grade and my parents supported me on that. And what he continued to teach me about hard work and work, work ethic is if you turn in a project or a paper, let's say it's a letter from Christopher Columbus to Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand, and it's you know a paper bag from Safeway and you uh, singe the edges and you make it perfect. And it's just one page because that's the bare minimum or it's two pages because that's the bare minimum. You would get a C plus if it was incredibly perfect. If you went beyond the minimum of what was expected of you, you could earn an A. So you were never guaranteed an A. So my parents saw early on, um, and I learned from Mr. Freeman, to go beyond the minimum to exceed expectations, not just for the people in your life, but for yourself and your own intention for the day for life. Is is there a particular project or maybe a role that has taught you the most about yourself or a significant amount? Um, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really hard one. Um, well, when I, when I got to do Aida in Singapore a few years ago, right before the pandemic, I said it during the 2011 Egyptian revolution. Okay. And it was really a special thing to, create the story of Aida using uh, basically um, a riot. And so protesters in a, uh, a protest against the government um, in Egypt basically were using Aida, the musical, as a protest to fight against um, the government. And at the same time, a, um, a news reporter was having three cameras film it simultaneously uh, with, with uh, wireless wireless power and it was projected in real time. And uh, it was sort of like, as I went through it, I conquered the impossible in every step of the way. Um, and it just, I just as a team, we just kept conquering it. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I could do anything. Um, it, also, it also showed me that I could go so far outside of my comfort zone to another country and another con uh, continent, but that I could still find common ground. I could still find, you know, um, 
familiar things like the indelible power of home and community. Um, you know, these were things that were that were sort of innate in in me and and in my my cast, um, an entire Asian cast of actors um, from all different um, countries in Asia. Um, and that was amazing, especially because protesting is illegal in Singapore. So none of my cast had ever protested. And that's how the show, that's how my framing device started as people were entering the theater. And it was quite jarring for the audience because they weren't used to seeing that. Yeah. And so it was in rehearsal, it was about empowering the cast and the artists. What would you, what would you change if you could? Or um, what, what would you, what would you fight for if you could? And they talked about religion and sexuality and gender and um, all kinds of things that um, they they don't have power over right now. Sitting outside of the comfort zone is where we grow. I'm curious what your relationship is <laughs> to discomfort or the self-talk you have when you put yourself out there. Yeah, totally. Well, with New York Theatre Barn, which is uh, the theatre company that I've been the artistic director of for 15 years, we're an inclusive home for original culture shifting musicals during incubation. Um, we, uh, you know, we've been focused on lifting up the work and developing the work of underrepresented um, artists and also saluting underrepresented audiences. And um, in doing so, we have also created anti-racism initiatives and through that, we've created roundtables where we uh, we talk about um, inclusivity in the theater, women in the theater, swings and understudies, um, the Latinx community. And in doing that, we say that we make space to have uncomfortable conversations comfortably. And I think it's exactly what you just said. The growth, the evolution is in the discomfort, is in putting everything out on the table. And ultimately that is about communication. Mm -hmm. And I think as a director, as a leader, as a producer, you know, my job is to be a great communicator, but also, also to facilitate communication uh, amongst artists so that we can be the best together. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I agree with that. And through these roundtables, maybe through these roundtables and other conversations you've had, how have you gotten better at listening? Um, I think I've gotten better at listening by making space for the people who need to be heard. Um, and that goes for all kinds of different communities. Um, but mainly about making space in our company for new, for new programs like Barn on Fire, which is our, our new summer residency for um, musicals and development that begins in a, in a week on Fire Island. It's a new collaboration with the Fire Island Pines Arts Project. Um, by literally creating an imprint of Broadway records called Theater Barn Records, where we get to create a platform for a global audience to listen to um, concept albums of new musicals. And um, just after Broadway Con next month, we're going to be releasing a six track uh, concept album. It's uh, six tracks. Uh, each track is, is from a new musical. So six new musicals. And it's going to be called the New Musicals Mixtape. 
You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 